Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Welcome to the war. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this very beautiful day that you are awesome, that you are God, that you keep your word. You've kept us in all of these days, Father God, by your faithfulness and by your peace, by your power, by your promises, by your word. And Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you give us today eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to reflect on the memories, the things that have, you, that have come to become our life, the accumulations of memories, thoughts, events, situations that shape us, that form us, that generate the power behind our future, behind this present moment. So, Father, I pray that you'd give us uh, truly freedom, liberation from any kind of gripping, controlling lies that have been buried in and through those memories, Father, because you said you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. We thank you for freedom. Jesus, we thank you that you are our liberator, our rescuer, You are the one who died to set us free on this Memorial Day weekend. We think about your death, sacrifice, resurrection to promote and provide for us freedom, life, and peace eternally. I thank you, Jesus, also that you come with wisdom to give us counsel as we go through Rescue Radio today. Welcome to each one who's listening, and we pray God's blessing upon you and divine protection upon all of us, including the airwaves, that this will be protected by the blood of Jesus. Hey, good morning, honey. Well, good morning. Good morning. But Memorial Day weekend is just ahead here. Yeah. And um, so, you know, we think of remembering those that have given themselves sacrifice and that have paid mm-hmm. the ultimate sacrifice for yeah. the freedoms that Our we have one. in this country mm-hmm. and so forth. But uh, we're talking today about memories yeah. and remembering. and uh, Life's generator, you know, that empowers us and anchors our soul and navigates our future. It's pretty powerful. Really, very, very powerful. And, uh, you know, there's that old uh, country song and precious memories, how they linger. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of the memories that we have are precious and some are not precious at all. They're very tormenting. Yeah. Uh, memories can help us. Memories can haunt us. Some linger. Some are lost, at least within our conscious mind. Yeah, subconscious. Uh, loss of memory. Um or, you know, can have effects ranging from just you yeah. know, sh- little lapses of memory, yeah. range, effects ranging from inconvenience and frustration and embarrassment. You know, things like, you know, where did we put stuff? Where did we put our car keys? Yeah. Uh, okay, what's your name again? I'm sorry, I don't remember. Uh, or maybe you're sent to the store to get something and you forgot the list and you try to mentally go through it. Okay, I need to pick up three things. You remember the t- two things, three things, and then there was another thing that you didn't get, you forgot, or maybe... <laughs> is that just you, honey, or is that everybody? Well, <laughs> that's, that's, I think, a lot of people. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and, uh, and then sometimes for those that are students, you know, you, you're, you're taking a big test, and you, you're trying to recall the answer to a question mm-hmm. that you knew you know, Something but was you going... can't get yeah. it. So, and then there's the whole tragedy of, of, of physical memory loss, like mm-hmm. in Alzheimer's and various stages of Alzheimer's. So um, 
So, so with that in mind, I'm thinking of just that very moment, how important memory is in the continuity of our lives to connect the past people, faces, names, situations, what you just did, short-term, long-term memories, connecting those things with your present moment and your ability to navigate in that moment. That's very powerful because when people start to get Alzheimer's and things like that, uh, or brain damage, brain, you know, uh, amnesia, they, they disconnect. There's a link that's been broken between them and their current world. And this is very tragic. This is very tragic. Yes. For people that, you know, do not remember their children or do not remember right. their name or that sort of thing. But uh, so memory is really the, it's the, it's simply the process of remembering. Hello. And uh, mm-hmm. it's reviving in the mind past thoughts, ideas, images, events, experiences, uh, people, that sort of thing. And then recollection, it's a synonym, I guess you'd call it, but a re- recollection is a volunteer, voluntary and detailed remembering of a half-forgotten event. In other words, you haven't thought about it for yeah. 25 years, and you're at the 25-year class, high school class reunion, yeah, and you worked. start talking, and, remember, and you say, oh, yeah, somebody brings up something. Oh, yeah, I remember that, and we went <laughs> to the prom, and we had this game and whatever. Yeah. Some of us don't do good at that. You know, it's just like, okay, it's way buried. It's like, whoa, yeah, it's buried and it it, it gets kind of resurrected there and triggered by something, the conversation, Mm -hmm. recollection. And then there's reminiscence, uh, which is like, it's kind of like, oh, a longing for the good old. I remember when life was good and we grew up on the farm and life was simple and and it was, we had this and we went to the store and got soda and, and, and you get into the uh, memories can be like nostalgic, the nostalgia right. of the good old days. Well, that's days. kind of what antiques are. That's all the hang, the junk that hangs on the cracker barrel and walls like that. You know, all those old, that trigger. Oh yeah. That's, uh, you know, I mean, the, yeah, right. It's kind of weird. It's, those objects trigger memories. Well, if you've had that experience, I remember my dad had one of those yeah. saws or that uh, axe like that yeah. or something like that, mm-hmm. you, you know. And um, so there's different, uh, and you're going to talk about this in, in more yeah. than a second, but there's triggers, triggers of memories. There are certain things that trigger memories. Mm-hmm. Like, like objects and smells. I, I heard the number one thing is smells. Mm-hmm. It's like you smell fresh, break, fresh, I can say it right, fresh. Mm-hmm baked bread yeah uh and you remember oh yeah when my mom brought this uh, well that's you know, because the, that's because smells in the um in that center of the brain that they where the cells are smells smells are um interpreted is right next to the uh the limbic system where the emotions are stored and so there's a close connection neurologically between a smell and a memory because they live right next to each other in the brain Wow, that's that's good. I I didn't realize that that's how that worked. But yeah, and then there's a lot there's of cer- stuff up there. Certain words yeah. can trigger memories. Certain sights, seeing something, can trigger memories. And there might be like you know flashbacks mm-hmm. and sounds. Like music is yeah, very powerful, powerful, powerful oh, because yeah. you remember. You know, you were list you were it, you listen to a certain song maybe that you haven't heard for a while on the radio or Pandora or something. And it takes you back to where you, you were, were and what mm-hmm. you were doing maybe 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. Well, it takes us back to where we were. And that's interesting because even, you know, some of us were alive for the assassination of Kennedy, for example, or the 911. And this, you have a memory of that. 
and that memory is probably very still vivid in your mind of where you were when you heard first heard the news you actually participated in that piece of history if you were not alive you're only going to know it as a historical uh, report it's not going to be real to you but as it, it but for those of us who are alive in these events they become part of who you are and that's what's very important about memories is it's a, it's a body of past events your personal body of past events that are held in your mind that make up and hold the record of your life. Um, these events can be clear. Sometimes, like you said, Jerry, they can be cloudy. Um, uh, but they are your story, whether it's submerged and, and buried or deliberately uh, disassociate. You've disassociated from it. You deny it. You don't want to know about it. It's still there. The things that, you know, we struggle through, stumble through, the things we learn from our trials, um, those things uh, that we try to forget, they're still all part of that uh, past record, that past event, and it's still um, filed there. It's buried, lost. Maybe you can't remember it. Maybe you, you, you don't remember, you know, a lot of things, even short-term memory. You probably don't remember what you had for supper last Friday night if you had supper. But, but you know, the thing is, unless you work hard to remember it and bring it back to mind, but it, it, th- those things are still in our subconscious. Everything that's ever happened to us is recorded in our uh, gray matter of our brain. And... The interesting thing about it, even though you may not acknowledge it, you may not remember it, you may have forgotten it, um, it still has the power, generates a power to affect your current actions because of the way it was used to program you to set up a subconscious response to current events and, and current situations. So our actions, our decisions, our, and our present moments really all determined by our past by our our, 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 our memories. Uh, yeah, our past experiences that just get embedded in our brains mm-hmm. that really, you know, d- develop our whole concept, our whole worldview, uh, how well, we view yeah. ourselves, how we view yep. the world around yep. us, how we view others, that sort Absolutely. of thing. Absolutely. And that's, that's, that comes out of what we've experienced and that's in our memories and consciously, like you said, consciously or subconsciously, often subconsciously, that's how we see, mm-hmm. you know, we interpret our world. But we don't think about that. We don't think that we're being guided by these deep thoughts uh, that, that lie and operate and, and motivate and, and, and live inside of us in our minds and our memories. You know, but if you talk, stop and think about it, really, honey, there's, you know, if you divide your life and life is divided into past, present and future. Um, we have much more, there's much more of our past, pres- our present, our future is yet to be determined. We don't know how long or short that will be. Our present is simply a moment, but our past is a whole entourage of memories. It makes up the largest portion of our life. Um, it's like the, the present, your present moment, you know, there's now therefore no condemnation. That word now, that present moment is only a, a moment of light and sound. It's like the film that runs through the movie projector. It illuminates for a moment of life that particular clip, then that slips into the darkness as the reel moves on and moves the story forward, the story of your life. So it's like, you know, this present moment is just a moment. It's right now, now it's gone. The moment I just had a moment ago is now gone. It's part of a memory. It's a, at this point, it's still short-term memory. I can still remember it. But in length and time, the body of our memories 
is the only thing really that, number one, you have left of someone who dies or goes away. It's really your memory. So that's why it's very precious, and that's why it's very important to have um, helpful, positive, life-giving memories of people. And memories are the anchor of self uh, that hold us in place, that hold us together, that keep us from drifting away from who we are. That can be good, that can be bad, but memories are an anchor of the self. When you, like, for example, lose your mind, Alzheimer's people, whatever, they lose that anchor of who they are and who's important to them and what's, they can't navigate through life without that background of information, names, you know, past events. So it, the, the memories you have anchor you and, and remind you of who you are. Now, that your concept of who you are may be wrong, but it is the memories that is, are anchoring you to that concept. Um, and they are also, our memories are also subject at the time of formation, when a memory is actually the event that's happening and being transcribed into the memory, there's a point where we interpret things, where we perceive things, we misperceive things, things are colored, uh, there's impressions that are made. And whether those things are, and I believe that's where the spiritual warfare begins, is in, in the coloring and the impressions, interpretations, and even the setup of circumstances and situations that create memories. I believe that's where spiritual warfare is manifested. And so then, for example, if there's a, a shameful memory or a, an at- attack or an assault, there's, a, there's on the other side of that, that um, torture rack is the solution, the temptation to forget it, bury it, repress it. Uh, come into agreement with, I don't want to remember, I don't want to know. And you mentioned Jerry flashbacks. And that's when the, the Lord begins to bring these memories back up into the surface of our mind uh, as something he wants to deal with, these flashbacks or, or going, you know, and so that they can be healed. These memories, these events uh, that are memories, these memory events where trauma, tragedy, assault, demonic lies were set up can actually be healed. And that is called um, healing, divine healing, inner healing. It also brings physical healing. Well, you know, so really we're in this present moment, you know, so in a sense we're, we're living in the present right now. Mm-hmm. So all we have is this moment, this moment. We don't know what the future is. But then most of us are actually living in the past. Right, because if we're living in regret uh, or trying to learn from our mistakes or not do a mistake again, yeah, we. it's okay to use that body of information to seek wisdom but if there's no wisdom in the memory you're not going to find any wisdom when you reuse it either right well a lot of us can you know living in the past you know, the good old days or, or we're living in we're haunted by regret regret it's a big one and it's like sometimes you know we see people uh like uh old hippies you know <laughs> that are like 70 years old and they're sort of still they never got they're still locked into the 60s in a yeah. sense yeah in, in their in their minds and their hearts and their attitude so living in the past means you can be tormented haunted by regrets mm-hmm. on one extreme and then uh, but living in the past too look not looking to the past uh, can, the past things can be encouragements in the present. Uh, right, exactly. Well, exactly. I think there's a scripture that came to my mind when we were thinking about doing this, um, and that is Isaiah chapter 51, chapter 51, verse 1, uh, where, where Isaiah, through the Lord, the Lord is speaking, um, listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. This is the Lord speaking. You who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father. Look to Sarah, 
Um, and then he goes on to talk to them about what they're to remember. But he's, he's telling the Israelites to look back, to understand, go back to the original, go back to the beginning, go back to the fact that you were in the pit. And I think this is my perfect verse for the snake pit uh, analogy that I use. That we're born and thrown into the snake pit of life. And then it's a process of being dug out of that pit. It says to that look to the, uh, the rock from which you were hewn and the hole of the pit from which you were dug or taken were redeemed from that snake pit through the blood of Jesus Christ who becomes a rock for us so we can stand on the rock Christ Jesus and not live in the slime pit. But the thing is, um, you know, it's very, very important. And for, for all of you as believers, us as believers, to go back to the original, original, original of what the, the true teaching, the origin of the Garden of Eden, the true story of God, the resurrection, the spiritual warfare, the, the serpent in the garden. It's, it's important to know those things. We were not there, but we were taught them through the word of God. But God is also reminding them at this point to remember, because if you don't remember, if you forget, it's very easy to be consumed with the immediate moment, the distractions, the pressures, to forget the truth. And these memories that God is calling them to are the memory, remembering the truth. Even in Romans 1, he talks the same. Well, right. Um, in, in people not retaining God in their knowledge right, exactly. is one of the things in Romans chapter 1. So one of the, the devices of the enemy is to get the concept of God and Jesus Christ out of the minds and hearts of, of the people. people. Mm-hmm. So the, the, when, when you read there in Isaiah 51, 1, mm-hmm. to the rock from whence you're hewn, into the hole of the pit from whence you're digged, King James Version. But it doesn't mean that we live in the past, in the past uh-huh. that we just live, oh, man, I was there and everything. But he says, rem- just remember what, where, where you come you've from. come from, where mm-hmm. you've come from, what you were, what you've come from. You're not living in the past, you're but you're past. living there in gratitude because God has interceded into your life. Yep, yep. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's intervened into, into your life to give you a, a, a salvation, give yes. you deliverance, give you freedom. He's intercepted us in that pit where we were helpless. There was no way we could get out or save ourselves. So he reached down and plucked us up. I, I say it like this. We're like diamonds that have been thrown, created in the image of God, of course, diamonds that have been thrown into the slot bucket of life. And at that point where Jesus reached his hand down into that slot pail of life, to pull us out, that little diamond has been separated from the potato peelings and the and the and this off scouring of the sink into the into the hand of Christ. Now that doesn't mean we're clean. At that point, we need to be washed and regenerated by His blood, by His His word. But nonetheless, the little diamond would would have been totally thrown out, lost with the potato peelings. But Jesus Christ identified the preciousness and also the fact that. Once when we're cleansed and cleaned off, made in the image of God, washed and cleansed through his love, his word, his sacrifice, that we sparkle. We don't learn to sparkle. We're not taught to sparkle. We're, it's an innate concept, part of who we are. And so the brilliance of God is reflected in us as his work is done in us. And this is part of that redemption process. Right. And here, here's the redemption process that takes the you know, diamond out of the, the, the slop pail, the snake pit, mm-hmm. the mud pit. First uh, Corinthians six, nine and the verses following. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, 
nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And then verse 11, and such were some of you, past mm-hmm. tense, mm-hmm. but you were were washed, you Good. were sanctified, you were justified mm-hmm. in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So he's, he's what is he doing to the church here at Corinth, a very sinful city? He says, look, at, this is where you were living. Many of you were living. And, but now look at, look at where you are now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's, that's really a New Testament example there of Isaiah 51.1. Yeah, exactly. He's and, transformed and so, by the renewing trans, of our minds and, and, transformation. And, and being willing to go along with the, the invitation to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I think people, if you are having a bad day, a bad year, a bad week, a bad life, remember this. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is nothing more precious than that. There's nothing more valuable than that. And on the day of judgment, there's nothing that will redeem you except that. And that is where you need to begin to change your life from one of regret to rejoicing. This is, you know, this is a command, rejoice in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We are not to be uh, conformed to the pit. We're, not, we're to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, to be restored to that divine original nature made in the image of God. And to be restored to that, we're not to be, like I said, conformed to the, to the lies of the pit. Satan has used the experiences to shape us, to convince us through reality, through experiences, that we are what we do and we are what's happened to us. But that's not what the Lord God says. The Lord God says we are who he says we are. We are beings, not doings. We're not human doings. We're human beings. And this is a key clue to the, the transforming power of of being liberated into being a being and not being a doing. Because if you are a doer, uh, it says be a doer of the word and not hearers only, but that doing comes out of response to faith promises of God and the work of his Holy spirit in us. So it's like the, 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 the branch responds to the apple tree, the trunk by producing an apple and that apple you could say is good works. Well, it's actually luscious fruit, hopefully. And, and yet it comes out of the relationship between the branch and the, and the, and the, tr- the, the vine, or the trunk of the tree. And so this is, a, this is not a work. It is abiding, and out of the abiding process comes not a work but a fruit. Actually, God brings forth fruit. Satan makes it all about work. Because if Satan can get you in the pit and make you believe that you are what you do, then all he has to do is get you to do something bad. So then you will come into an agreement with, I am bad. I am a sinner. I am no good. And then he can get you to try to clean up your act by doing something good, which frustrates you even more into trying to perform, to be perfect, to, to somehow accomplish your own righteousness. Well, you know, we hear so much and we have for many years about the comfort zone. Yeah. I want to be in a comfort zone. So people, can, Don't um, forget comfort food. Comfort food. That's a new term. Comfort drugs, entertainments. Um, distractions. Distractions, all kinds of things. Time killers. To kind of comfort Fill us, the time. Yep. entertain us, keep us sort of sedated. Yeah, yeah. You know, drugs. Yeah, absolutely. Different things to keep us sedated. And so we sell, so we have, what, what we do is we have like a false, a false peace. And a false, hey, you know what? When you are sedated with the, the cares of this world, the pleasures of this world, you're you're just think about when you're under when you just go into surgery and you're sedated you're put under you do not remember that surgery although it's been recorded you know the events are recorded in your subconscious you do not have as easy access to that 
because you have been distracted, you've been put out, put under. And I think that's part of what you're talking about, honey, that the world, the enemy is trying to put us under a sedatus so that we don't walk clearly, circumspectly. We don't walk with resolve. We don't walk with purpose. We don't walk to redeem the moments of the time. We, we kind of try to fritter our life away and we try to spend our life being a normal person. That's not the call. The call is not to be a normal person with a normal, nice retirement, nice life, you know, uh, you know, wonderful grandkids, uh, blah, 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 whatever. You know, uh, th- th- that's not a normal Christian life. Well, what God, well, the reason I mentioned comfort zone is because God is calling us to enter the discomfort zone. But that, that discomfort zone is full of peace. It's full it of is. purpose. And he comforts us in the midst of our discomfort. Because if you know that, that it's, it's going to be a, 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 there's a temporary discomfort. But that is the battle. That is the point of life is to overcome. And, and the way, see, what I'm saying about that is that the memories then mm-hmm. can be encouragements in the present to us. Mm-hmm. And they can be springboards for us mm-hmm. as we move into the unknown future. Because, because the memory holds the experience. And if the experience is based in truth or corrected to endorse the truth, because a lot of our, our experiences are not based in truth. They're based in a setup, a demonic setup to make us feel stupid, ignorant, ashamed, no good, worthless, unworthy. And then it, it all promotes all the negative stuff like working to, to try to earn your salvation. It just tips the gospel upside down. But if you're, if you're working in a place of understanding, knowing who you are walking in the truth, then the memory of the, the, the God's faithfulness in the, in, in 2003 and in, in 2012, God's faithfulness begins to build a momentum in you so that you can stand and having done all the stand really, in the next I test. I like what you said there, Marjorie, that God's faithfulness, builds a momentum in us, a momentum of faith, a momentum, a momentum of joy, a momentum of peace as we move into the future. And God says so much in his word about remembering. You know, David uh, wrote uh, in uh, 1 Chronicles uh, sixteen seven, and uh, we can go through verse uh, 12. On that day, David first delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. So he basically delivered the psalm to the musician and singers, however they did it back then. Verse 8, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Mm -hmm. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. And verse 12, Remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Remember what God has done for you in the past, what he's done in the earth. And uh, remember the judgments of his mouth would be his word, his decrees. And uh, Psalm 77, uh, verse 1 uh, and following a few verses here, I cried out to the to God with my voice, to God with my voice. And he gave ear to me. In the day of trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. Mm -hmm. And I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. 
You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old and the years of ancient time. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart and my spirit uh, will, uh, makes uh, diligence search. So he, what he's doing here is, is recalling the faithfulness of God. Um, he, he's going through a very hard time. He's questioning. He's questioning. Some of you may just be experiencing something right now that is just so painful and overwhelming. And maybe you've cried out, like it says here in verse 7 of Psalm 77 uh, through verse uh, uh, 10. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies, Selah? And I said, this is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Mm -hmm. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. So the encouragement for him and for us is to remember the works of the Lord. And, and so the memories of the past and remembering the works of the Lord and his faithfulness and, and the experience of that faithfulness and delivering us out of this and that becomes the bookend for our future. And the future is to, the, to finalize and complete and experience thus the fullness of salvation, the fullness of redemption, the fullness of eternal life, the fullness of healing. And so the, the, the memories rightly uh, understood in the light of God's truth provide a mirror or a reflection or a forecasting even of our future. So you don't have to wonder what your future will be. Your future is going to be the memories of God's faithfulness completed in you. Right. It's, it's, it's our, um, a memory bank of God's faithfulness that is a foundation yeah. for the future. And we don't, we know some things about the future. God has revealed in his word, some things day to day, we don't know exactly what a day is going to hold, but we know when we can recall, listen, God, you've been faithful, so faithful to me in the past. And you're going to, even though I'm going through a troubled time now, no matter what I'm facing in the days ahead, you're going to stay with me. You're going to provide for me. And uh, I just rejoice in that fact. Right. You know, the, the, the memories, and that's, you're talking in a very positive light with memories. And of course, they can be a great generator for hope. But at the same time, most of us have been squashed, crushed, marred, slain, slammed, slimed by the enemy uh, with events in our lives that have caused great shame, great testing of our faith, great testing of, you know, the question, is God faithful? Will he complete? You know, um, I'm looking at some. I'm actually looking for some. I think it's 69. Hold on. Um, Just came to me that God um, here, Psalm 66 it says in verse um, uh, 10, For you, O God, have proved us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction upon our backs. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire. We went through water. But you have brought us out into rich fulfillment. That's Psalm 66, verses um, 10 through 12. The, the ultimate end is rich fulfillment. But the, the Lord has permitted the enemy to ride over our heads, to catch us in his net, to try to discourage us, rip the faith from us, destroy our, our hearts, our motivations, our hope, um, cause men to practice witchcraft against us, steal from us that which is rightfully ours, 
create offenses, injustices, pile it up on us, uh, judgments and, and words and harsh words against us. Um, we've been through the water, we've been through the fire, but we're not drowned. You know, Isaiah 43, you know, I will go with you through the fire, through the river. Um, not, and that, that, again, is the experience of God's faithfulness. But it's not fun and it's not easy. But the promise is rich fulfillment. Now, I was thinking the other day, here's just a little aside, but I was thinking, you know, it's like God makes these super cool promises to us. Super cool. I mean, I don't, and he puts gifts and, and, and ambitions and motivations and talents in our lives, in our hearts. Let's say you have discovered one of your gifts and, and maybe it's to be a, a famous uh, actress or singer or baseball player, or maybe it's to invent, be an inventor, or maybe it's to, you know, um, lead people to Jesus, whatever your, your gift is. And there's a promise that goes with it. Like God gave Abraham a promise, a super promise. You're going to be the father of many nations and you're going to own all this land. Super, two super promises. And, and so God sets Abraham up. Abraham says, I, I, I believe you. I'll follow you. Um, um, I trust you. So Abraham begins to live his life and go in the direction of God. And Satan does everything in his power to destroy the promise to keep Abraham from enjoying, re- embracing, receiving the promise, everything he can do to make God look like the bad guy who is weak, not able, a liar, made a promise he couldn't keep and can't be trusted. And so we go in this tailspin of you know confusion. And where is God in all the midst of this? Not it, it makes sense, doesn't it? That if God gives you a mighty promise, gives you an awesome gift, that Satan is going to do everything he can to rip it out of your hand. That totally makes sense to me if they're at war. But why do we then blame the one who gave us the promise, gave us the gift, gave us the, the, the strength to, to fulfill it and the promise that he'd be with us in the process? Why do we turn on him and not turn on the one who's trying to rip it out of our hands and steal it from us? It's like we always make bad. That's a thought that comes into our mind that the enemy puts in there that, you know, God's not faithful. He's not going to finish the work. Abraham was just like a bulldog. He, he didn't let go of the promise of God, no matter what, no matter if it, if it looked like he had no sons or had the wrong son, uh, you know, his sons were fighting with one another. His grandsons were trying to kill one another. He did not, he did not uh, deter, turn around from the promise. And that promise was into his memory because he had experiences with God that were deep and profound and, and that caused them to be unmovable. And I think this is where we need to have memories, experiences of God pre- pressing into God. Uh, and when you know God has given you a promise, a, a, a life purpose, a mission for your life, don't let anybody steal it from you by going back to God. If somebody's trying to steal it from you uh, through treachery, through lies, deception, witchcraft, um, cheating, uh, however they're trying to manipulate to steal from you your hope, your faith in God, that's number one, your hope and faith in God. Don't, just, just turn it back over to God and say, you know, God, you gave me this gift. I want to give it back to you. I want to be complete in fulfilling my purposes that you've called me to. And, and you will bring me into that place of rich fulfillment because if you don't, you're a liar. And so you can go back and say, God, I know you're not a liar. You already know that God's not a liar. Know that in our spirit, but in our soul, you know, I say to people a lot of times, does Jesus love you? And they kind of hesitate. And I say, what do you know? And then they'll say, yes. I'll say, but what do you feel? 
and they'll say, hmm, I don't know. I don't feel like he loves me, but I know he loves me. Now, isn't that interesting that there's, you can have both of these things operating in your, in your life at the same time, and they're sort of contrary, conflicting. Uh, I know that God doesn't lie. I know he keeps his word. I know he's, he's good. I know he's, he's for me. I know he, he created me. I know he's got a plan for my life. But, on the, on, but when you go into the soul and you look at what's going on, you can become doubtful and question the goodness of God, the faithfulness, and go in a tailspin. And again, we need to go back to memories. Memories are an anchor for holding us in that place of knowing that we know what we know. Now you say, well, we have my memories. I don't want my memories. I, I try to forget my, my past. You know what? That's, that's your pit. That is, your pit is not given to define you. We are not to be defined by our pits or our past or how, we, how well we did. Don't kid yourselves. If you think you're doing fine, you're probably not doing fine. If you think you're being beat up constantly, you're doing great, actually, in God's way of looking at it. The people who are more beat up and, and feeling less good about themselves are probably doing a, a better job at fighting the good fight of faith than those who think they got it made in the shade and are sipping their lemonade. Hey, that rhymes. That's pretty cool. Uh, but anyway, um, so the thing is, we're not to be defined by our pit, by our past. We're to, to be defined by the promises of God. Get it? The promises, not the pit. God made promises, and God is the one who's responsible to fulfill those promises, not you. You are called, we are called to follow him. He has taken responsibility to see those things to come to, to bring them to pass. It's not my striving. A lot of times people have a prayer, somebody prays a prophetic prayer. I mean, you've got a great call in your life. You're going to stand before thousands. You're going to preach the gospel. Blah, 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 blah. And they go on a tailspin and they go backwards and they just, they, they think they have to somehow bring this to pass themselves and they begin to work on it and they fail and they fall down and they're further from the idea, the goal than they ever were. But that's not the way you go. If there's a prophetic word over you, that's God's problem. He's, he's the one who's going to fulfill. If you just follow him and obey, it'll, it'll come to pass. Right. And it's a matter of being patient, you know, um, patience. Is is so important. Yeah, and, and we, we have, have very we are short. We, we live in a culture that is everything is just fast, instant, right now, two seconds ago, that sort of thing. So just what, we, why are we so we, impatient? We don't have God is not a God of instant gratification. Well, I think the reason we're impatient is because we're so under so much pressure, pressure to get something done, pressure to to prove mm. something, pressure to do something, pressure to, you know, crawl to the the top of the heap somehow and we're impatient and that's a sign of lack of comfort faith peace in god it says um let patience have its perfect work you know and that perfect work is the work of uh releasing us from all of the striving and the the attempts to control our lives and and i i you know my life is not my own i've been bought with a price to live as christ in him i live and move and have my being it's all about Jesus. It's not about me. And so I can relax. You know, he's in me doing his thing. He's going to develop and bring to pass, bring to completion my life. And that will create awesome memories. That will create an awesome experience. That will create a satisfied life. Right. And, and you know, we have so many examples in, in the scripture about reminding us of the faithfulness and goodness of God. And Peter talks about, he said, um, uh, in Second Peter one twelve, for this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always mm-hmm. of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. So he's talking about very situated. He said, "Okay, I'm reminding you of something you already know." Right. And 
that is an important concept. Uh, I think that's why I think we need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Th- those sort of gifts, I should say, they have various roles you know, within the body of Christ. Those that minister to us, the word of God that ministers mm-hmm. to us, reminds us of what we already know, gives us information so we learn more and more. But then there are reminders of what we, what we already know. I'm going to stir up your pure minds by way of repentance. Remembrance. Uh, you know, Paul talks about that to Timothy. Peter talks about that to us. And so remembering what we already know. And, and there and, can be a real resistance to remembering what you already know. I mean, because, because we know that we know the truth and God's created us to know the truth. If you sense a resistance in your mind, you kind of gravitate, nav- navigate back towards doubt fear the the lies of the past then you are believing lies and jesus said you you can only walk in freedom if you walk in truth the truth will set you free whom the sense it's free is free indeed he's already set up that truth for you to walk in if you're willing to walk in it but if you feel a resistance inside of you to walking in freedom and being okay if you feel a resistance to being okay with being okay you have to feel kind of like there's got to be something wrong. There's got to be some anxiety, some reason to worry, some chaos here, that things aren't going right or it's not normal. Then all of that stuff is really what you've called to be normal. Is not, and that is not normal. The normal is to rest in peace and walk in the truth of God. We tend to forget. We tend to forget the word of God. Now, I mean, we got it in us. It's in us as we, if we applied ourselves to the word. We tend to, we tend to forget. We get so caught up, we we caught up in, the, in the, right, we get caught up in the, the flow of life, the circumstances, yeah, the, the cares, riches, pledges of life that the come The gossip. And, and Peter writes, just to, to camp on this, just for a second again, uh, in Second Peter one thirteen, yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent. In other words, he says, as long as I'm here around, I haven't yeah. died yet, to stir you up by reminding you. Mm-hmm. To stir you up by reminding you, and, and I really, is, yeah. I really believe that that is that Our is job. such a key key role. And thank God for those those who minister to us that stir stir us up by giving remi- remembrance. We of, need to seek of out the those people. Yeah. God. yeah, we need to seek out those people who will stir up that remembrance and keep us hot for God. And you know, nobody can eat your food for you. Nobody can digest your food for you. They can set it up. They can put the bowl of oatmeal in front of you. They can grill the steak. They can do it. But only you can eat it and only your own body can digest it. And so, therefore, even though you're relying on somebody else to supply the information, you know, whether it's a preacher, a pastor, a book you're reading or a sermon you're listening to or whatever it is, you you are the only one who can eat. And you have to make a choice whether this is edible or not. And, you know, because whatever you eat becomes who you are. And if if you're taking the... Um, the initiative uh, to love your life enough to, to give your life to God and make your life count for the Lord, then you lose your life in him. And when you lose it, you find it. When you try to hold on to it, you lose. You, that's when you really lose it. He who seeks to save his life will lose it. He who loses it for my sake will keep it. And so we're seeing a lot of, a lot of this kind of um, warfare over trying to hold on to something that you should be letting go of and abandoning that which cannot be kept or saved. Um, this whole world is going to shake. Like Peter says, every, I think he's the one who said that. Everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. And I think if you look at any kind of news and any kind of, you know, other than the fake news, which is 
polluting and deceiving and distorting and uh, sedating and, and um, uh, truly setting us up for a huge shock of reality. If you listen to the truth, go to the word of God, understand what he said, believe his word, believe the prophets, believe the authors, believe Paul to Timothy, uh, believe these things. This is the anchor. This is the bedrock. This is where you're going to have solid footing. Otherwise, you know what? You're not going to have solid footing. And those who do not know Jesus will be lost. This is, the, this is a, a, a terrible tragedy. But in this urgency of the harvest right now, the first thing that needs to happen before the harvest can ever be gathered in is that the laborer himself has to have a motivation to go into the harvest field. And you cannot go back and say, well, you know, I I remember all the years when there was no harvest. I remember the years when the locusts came. I remember how hard it was. I remember how sweaty I got. I remember the mosquitoes. I remember the resistance. I remember that we didn't get a good price for our crop. If you go back and remember all that negative stuff, you will not move forward with joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You are faithful. It doesn't, you know, we think faithful has to do with outcomes. It doesn't. It has to do with obedience. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, how many of the people, the outcomes of their faith was, you know, being eaten by lions and getting sawn in two and getting their heads cut off. And you say, well, they didn't have enough faith. If they had more faith, they would have got delivered. That's, that's a garbage theology. Garbage. Just throw it away. It's garbage. They had all kinds of faith to stand in the, in the face of death and not flinch, even instead of them, they die well. So you see, it's not our job to bring the outcome. That is God, the judge of all the earth, the judge who cannot do wrong, to judge the situation. And if he's called you and given you grace to stand and having done all to stand to give your life, you know, how can we die for Jesus if we can't even get out of bed and live for him in that day? Um, take this day. This is a new day, the beginning of your, the rest of your life for crying out loud. You live it for God. Um, the rest of it, the past is the pit. And, and God is setting you free from the pit, not to stay in the, That doesn't glorify God for you to stay in the pit and be sick. It glorifies God when you stand up, believe the truth, rise up and walk. Um, Numbers chapter 11, verse, beginning with verse 4. Now the mixed multitude who were among them, among the children of Israel, this is after they had come out of, of Egypt after 430 years of bondage, these, this mixed multitude yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up and there is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. So, so what they were, they were in a difficult time. They were listening to the wrong people. Voice. <laughs> there, there's a mixed multitude yeah, and there's yeah. so much fake news is the yeah. buzzword out there now. Well, that was back then for sure. That was back. They were Creating listening to this discontent. and they started complaining because they were yeah, stepping murmuring. into, I mean, God had opened up the red, delivered them. Literally, to drown the Egyptians, op, you know, open up the Red Sea for them, drown the Egyptians. And they were forgetting. Provided manna. Uh, they they had seen the wonderful, wonderful works of God, but then they start griping about the the food they were eating, and so How fickle. Yeah, there was just there's a there was a well. This is the weakness, them. and this is the vulnerability of a human being. Is we we do have certain things we need, and Satan caps on those and plays and sets us up to uh, experience discomfort, as you said before, pain, and this motivates us to go off into some direction that is not God's because. Um, 
you know, it's, it's just comfortable. It's easier to do it that way. But murmuring and complaining, words that are spoken, usually coming from past memories of experiences where there was disappointment, whatever, that murmuring and complaining sets us up to go through another round of discontentment and, and loss and, and, and work in the pit. And sometimes the enemy tempts believers to say, you know, Actually, Grumbling. since you've gotten to know the Lord, you've got all this warfare going on. You've got all these trials and stuff. You know, just think maybe things were better back there before you knew the Lord. And, who, and sometimes who people that? go back. You're right. Who said that? Yeah, the enemy you. of our soul. And so that's why some people, you know, Hebrew in the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish believers, true Jew, believers in Jesus Christ, who are tempted because of the trials they were facing for their stand for Christ. They were tempted to go back to the old Jewish religion. Well, the same with Galatians was written to the Gentiles. Exactly. Were tempted to go back. Paul wrote to the Gentiles. Peter wrote to the Jews to remember. And this is a day of memorial. This is this weekend. You make a recommitment, a new commitment, a steadfast determination by the grace of God to let the Lord God, the Holy Spirit who lives in you, guide your life and fulfill the work and purposes to which he's called you. Specifically, you know, you look in the book of Timothy, we have Paul talking to his son, not biological son, but his son in the faith, uh, young Timothy. And he says in chapter one of first Timothy, verse 18, I charge you, I commit to I, this charge. I commit to you, son, Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them, you may wage a good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, which suffer, have suffered shipwreck. And then he goes on to talk about two specific people that he has actually had to deal with who had rejected their original calling and were shipwrecked on the sea of life. And he says, I want you to remember the prophecies, the promises. And then in second Timothy kind of goes more specifically if he, um, you know, he says, well, in first Timothy he says, you, you nourish this by reading uh, chapter four, verse 11. He says, um, uh, command and teach let no one despise your youth be an example of the believer in word conduct love spirit faith and purity till i come pay attention give attention to reading exhortation and doctrine do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by prophecy with the laying out of hands of the presbytery this is the gift Uh, meditate on these things give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all take heed to yourself and to the doctrine continue in them for in doing this, you will save both yourselves and those who hear you. This is the prescription. This is the recommendations of Paul to Timothy to continue to believe. That, um, don't, don't make excuses for yourself. Well, I'm only a youth. Uh, be an example to the others in conduct, love, spirit, faith, purity. Give attention. Pay attention. Read your Bible, people. Read a good, solid version of the Bible. Give ex- listen. Pay attention. Let the Lord, the Holy Spirit, examine you. There are things in your life that are there are pitfalls, that are uh, t- entanglements, that are ropes that are hooked around your ankles that Satan has got control of. Jesus wants to unhook you from those ropes, those fears, those lies. And as you walk in the word of God and walk forward, it will pull you out of the pit. The word of God is like a powerful uh, hoist that will pull you out of the pit uh, and into the, onto the solid ground of Jesus Christ. He says, don't neglect the gift. What is the gift? People don't know what the gift is. You've got to know what the gift in you is because that becomes your, your direction and your purpose. And so ask the Lord to show you what is. Maybe you have many gifts. Maybe it's a number of things. But sometimes 
with their outline to us, highlighted by the other people who will pro- prophesy over us or, or laying out of the hands. But whatever it is, meditate. Give yourself entirely to the Lord and commit yourself. Continue doing these things, and you will be saved. Right. Back in the, in the Hebrews again, Hebrews uh, 10.32, and then verses 35 through uh, 39. He says, but recall. Okay, bring to mind. Now, come on, you guys. Mm-hmm. Remember the former days in which after you were illuminated, after they'd come to Christ, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. There were, they were, people were criticizing them, picking on them, attacking them, destroying their goods, all this stuff. And um, just, you know, because they were believers, not because they were doing something wrong or stupid, but because they were believers. He says, verse 35 Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance. Or King James would mm-hmm. say patience. Yeah. That after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. And so uh, for yet a little while, he who is coming will come and will not tarry. That's the coming of Christ. Now the just shall live by faith. Mm-hmm. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, to destruction, mm-hmm. right? But of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the midst of this, the, God says, remember these things. The writer to the Hebrews says, remember, you know, you're go- sure you're going through tough stuff now, but God is going to prove himself faithful to you and, and rejoice and, and don't go back. Just keep going recognizing the Lord. the mm-hmm. faithfulness of the Lord. Well, Paul had to make this determination too in Philippians chapter three, verse 10. He says, um, I know he, I, that I, his desire was to know God and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, even being willing to be conformed to his death. And then he says, not that I've already attained it. In other words, his memory, his past record wasn't perfect uh, or am already perfect. But he says, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Jesus grabbed him, laid hold of him, pressed through the works of darkness to grab us, to hold, to lay hold of us. Brethren, he says, I do not count myself to have apprehended. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, he says, as many of us as are mature have this mind, that God will reveal to us the truth um, we walk in the, in the power of the faith, the, the promises, really the word promises of God, press towards the goal for the prize. And that is how we prevail against our enemy. We don't turn to the right. We don't turn to the left. We don't sit down. We don't give up. We don't make excuses. We don't give ourselves excuses. We don't say, well, I had a bad childhood. Yeah, you probably did. And that was the way the first attempt Satan had to shut you down. And the very fact that your, uh, your past was very tumultuous and very difficult and, and well nigh into death many times, just proves that Satan really wanted to kill you because you were uh, uh, seen to be a quite a threat to him. But again, we go back to Paul and his admonition to, to young Timothy in second Timothy, he says, um, and he's also talking about another thing he wants us to remember in verse three, I thank God, but let me back up to two, to Timothy, my beloved son, this is chapter one, second Timothy, chapter one, verse two to Timothy, my beloved son. Now listen to what he, how he greets him. This is really key, really cool and key. Grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
So this is a God of grace, mercy, and peace, goodwill, not a God of, you know, get mad and, you know, beat you up and look for a fault in you. He's a God that loves you. He's not pointed and pictured and painted that way uh, by the enemy, uh, by the circumstances, or even sometimes if you look back into your memories for truth, you won't always find truth in your memory. You'll find reality. You'll find experiences. But to find truth, you have to find freedom in Jesus Christ who takes you back to those memories and begins to straighten them out by telling you what really was going on when you felt devastated, abandoned, alone, shamed. It's the, the, the truth comes to set you free at some point, even later than the original event. So the, the reality, reality is what happened. And the truth is the truth of what happened. The, yeah, what it's, was really going, what it's, truly, it's what's really yeah. going on, and so behind the scenes, the right. spiritual. See, if you don't put your whole life in the context of a spiritual war, and the wars between God and Satan, if you don't put your life in that context, nothing will make any sense, and nothing will be ever ever fair, or there will, and there will be no hope of it ever being made fair or right because there is no judge. But there is a judge, a righteous, holy, good judge who's full of grace, mercy, and peace for those who love him. And so Paul says in, in verse three. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. And that's really what we want. The the comfort of a pure conscience, one that guilt hasn't eaten up. And if guilt has chased you around and given you pain and, and, and tried to divide you and, and give you sicknesses and poverty, get back to the place of a pure conscience, repent, confess your sin, ask God to forgive you for believing lies. And he says, I, that I serve, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that was in you, which dwelt first with your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. He's calling Timothy to remember his bloodline, his heritage, the strength of the faith of his of his godly um, inheritance in his parents, his, his grandparents. Um, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of hands. He's repeating what he said in first Timothy mm-hmm. for God has not given us. This is a really powerful verse right here. God has not given us a spirit of fear of love and of a sound mind. And it's that power in the, and the love of God and the soundness of mind and memory that drives out the fear. And you can say to the spirit of fear, you will not No, you will not. You come down with what you think are symptoms of this or that. You can rebuke that spirit of fear. You can rebuke that spirit of pain. And you say, well, it doesn't work. Well, it does work. It's but the enemy is convincing you that it doesn't work. You have to stand your ground and know who you are and know what's going on. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ nor of me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. This is your life, a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before, the world, before time began. You've been given this purpose, this destiny, this call, um, according to the purposes and grace and will of God, not your own. You didn't raise your hand and say, God, I want to do this, I want to do that. God just put it in you and you want to do it. It's your motivation. The motivation came with the, with the gift itself, but has now been revealed to us by the appearing of, of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher. And he goes on to talk about his own calling. Um, for I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded. And here we go, people. This is where the rest is. And this is where the responsibility rests. 
I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him until that day. That's Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Jesus, when, when we read about him in his earthly ministry, uh, he had trouble with his disciples. They didn't get it. They didn't get it. And oftentimes, and then they would forget it. Yeah. They forget. They would forget what they got. But they obviously must have they, got it so eventually. Jesus was reminding them. And in the New Testament, so much of it is reminder. Mm-hmm. The Psalms is about reminding. The prophets spoke. Isaiah, Jeremiah, remembering yes. people. But the good news, one, some of the good news is this, that Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. He says the helper, uh, from John fourteen twenty six mm-hmm. and 27, the helper the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Then he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, Mm -hmm. neither let it be afraid. The good news is that God, a couple things in closing, God, Hebrews 6.10, God is not unrighteous to forget our labor of love for him, our faithfulness and obedience. He will remember, he remembers that and rewards that. The other side of that, of this is that those who have come to Christ and repented of their sins, he says, your sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. Mm-hmm. He puts our sins and iniquities out of his memory right. mm-hmm. when we come to him. Amen. That's some good news for us, great news. So, Father God, we thank you, Lord God, that you teach us to hold fast to the pattern of sound words, which which we have heard through your word and in faith and in love, understanding what the Holy Spirit has brought to us through Jesus Christ. And that we'd be encouraged, especially in in remembering in this Memorial Day weekend, as we have a moment to take a break and think about things, not racing around to try to find a way to have fun, but to rest in you to take a moment to be in your word, to be comforted in your word, to know who you are and to be grateful and thankful and to pray for those around us, to pray for our leaders, to pray for uh, our families, ourselves, to pray that the will of God be done in this earth. And we thank you, Father, for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you and happy weekend. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.